Welcome back to a new episode of Goth Girl Horror, an extra long episode of Goth Girl Horror. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me all the way from Australia, on the other side of the pandemic of 2020, is... Ellie Christina. Thank you for joining me once again, Ellie, in this uh, unusual climate that we happen to be in right now. Yeah, talking. We're we're doing a, a horror film or a horror book right now, and not nearly as kind of scary as what seems to be going on in the world right now. Correct. And then on the day that we're recording this, which is uh, March twenty third, March twenty fourth, uh, as we are in twelve hour different time zones, Monday and Tuesday, Monday evening, Tuesday morning. The time that we're recording this, and the time that this is actually going to post online the world could be a completely different place. 100%. Every day changes. Every day new new information and uh, new restrictions. Correct. Uh, the time that this will be posting will be late April, possibly early May. So who knows uh, what uh, the world may have come to. Maybe, maybe the ape overlords will have taken over. Maybe the kaiju will have risen up. Maybe the vampire lords will have descended upon us like in Vampire Hunter D. What, what, what do you think? Maybe. I mean, hopefully not. I would say the biggest hope is that, uh, that we can just flatten the curve a little bit. Yeah, that's that's best case scenario. So that's what I'm hoping for. Okay, but let's say worst case scenario. What would you be your favorite worst case scenario? Terminators, Planet of the Apes, vampires, or zombies? It depends which type of zombies we're talking about and which kind of vampires we're talking about. I want to say vampires just because they seem the most civilized and it's in their best interest to keep humans alive because they need us to feed. So I'm going to go for vampires. Um, I would probably go with maybe the I Am Legend or, you know, Omega Man uh, story if I was the last man alive. Oh, so we're we're assuming that we're the only ones that survive, not what's going to give civilization the best chance? Correct. So it's just me and you on opposite sides of the planet. (laughs) I'm afraid I would be dead very soon. I'm not going to last long in the apocalypse uh, without my insulin. So (laughs) the joke in my family is that I'm the first one that gets eaten. Oh, damn. I was thinking you would be like, you would like climb a mountain and survive living on top of the mountain because you're so strong. Yeah, I would survive like the first like week or the first month where shit hits the fan, but I couldn't long term survive. So uh, I'm, I'm a, I know that. That's why I'm like, let's, let's stop it before it gets to that stage. <laughs> on this episode of Goth Girl Horror, we're going to be talking about not one, not two, but three issues of Hack Slash. Because they're all pretty much one giant story. Um, what, parts one, two, and three. And we haven't had a three-parter in quite some time since uh, me and the original co-host did the Toys, the Evil Toys uh, miniseries from uh, Omnibus Volume 1. And in fact, uh, this miniseries actually ties back to events from uh, Volume 1, if you remember. The origin of the Slashers. Do you remember the institute that Cassie and Vlad were kidnapped and brought to? They had the government institute that had all those Slashers under captive? Yep, yep. So that is how this ties back to that, because Jack Hack goes over in the miniseries, when we'll get to it, the origin of where does the Slasher come from? You know, wh- where did it start? And we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. get into that. But this is also a crossover with H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator, which is a uh, fictional character 
uh, created by Howard Philip Lovecraft, who's actually buried right here in my backyard of Rhode Island, Massachusetts. He, wow, fun fact. He uh, he wrote he wrote the story called Herbert West Reanimator in 1922, and um, if you're familiar with the movies of Reanimator, the second movie's opening sequence actually mirrors the story of Reanimator that that uh, Lovecraft wrote. Uh, almost perfectly. The first movie is about an eccentric uh, college student who moves in with a uh, roommate and exp- and shows him his reanimator fluid, which is this bright green fluid. Now, are you familiar with glow sticks? Do they have glow sticks in uh, Australia? We absolutely have glow sticks in Australia. Okay, so come around Halloween time next year, or this coming season, buy a bunch of glow sticks Crack them open in a vial, and there you go. You have reanimator fluid. <laughs> if only it were that easy. <laughs> they spent over, they spent uh, a couple hundred dollars on over five hundred glow sticks for the reanimator fluid used in the movie Reanimator. And when I got to cosplay once as Herbert West, which I don't think is on my Instagram page, but maybe I'll throw a picture of it up. I have a, a picture of me as Herbert West, and I'm holding a vial of reanimator fluid. And my hands are covered in broken glow juice, which at the time when I did that, I had no idea was toxic and was told, don't touch anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking when you were saying that. We've always been told that you're not allowed to crack them because it's pretty bad for you if it gets on your skin. I didn't know any better. This was 10 years ago, 2010. I, was, I thought it was a great idea, and they were showing Reanimator at a, on a big screen at a local movie theater um, in uh, Brookline, and I bought a bunch of glow sticks and cracked them open into a vial and then put a cork in the vial, and I carried it around with me. <laughs> and people were stepping back looking at this glowing vial of green goo. <laughs> <laughs> There were three Reanimator's movies made. Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, which of course mirrors the story that we're about to get into, and Beyond Reanimator. And in fact, there was supposed to be a fourth movie, which uh, kind of ties into the ending of this story, called House of Reanimator. And if you think about um, Bride of Reanimator, House of Reanimator, it kind of mirrors uh, titles to the 1930s classic universal movies of Frankenstein, right? 100%. The character Herbert West is played by Jeffrey Combs, a character actor who's been in many different productions like Star Trek Enterprise and uh, The Frighteners. He played an eccentric FBI agent trying to track down Michael J. Fox's character. Uh, But I always remember him best as his two voiceover characters as The Question, Vic Sage, a DC Comics character that's a bit of a nut job conspiracy theorist, uh, and uh, Ratchet, the lead medical officer of the Autobots in the Transformers Prime animated series of the early 2010s uh, that saw uh, Peter Cullen and uh, and Frank Welker come back to play Optimus Prime and Megatron. And in that show, he was very much like Bones, the uh, eccentric medical officer from the original Star Trek, um, always giving out medical advice that nobody bothered to listen to. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs has actually been on my radio show, Radio of Horror, as well as Stuart Gordon, the director of the Reanimator movie. And in 2013, I got a chance to uh, meet Stuart Gordon, his wife Carolyn Gordon, who was in the movie Reanimator as well, and their producer friend, whose name escapes me, unfortunately. And uh, they were there for uh, Necronomicon, which is an H.P. Lovecraft celebration that happens in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, in 2013, 15, 17, and last year. So it happens every other year. 
um, so they won't have to worry about the pandemic going on right now as the convention won't be coming around again for another year. But it's a uh, celebration of all things H.P. Lovecraft in the town that he lived in, Providence, Rhode Island. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I had not heard of that. I had no idea something like that existed. How how big is it? It takes place all over the town. There's different events happening at various locations, libraries, art galleries, the movie theater, uh, libraries, uh, the uh, convention hall. Um, sometimes it ties it into the water fires that happen in Providence. These water fires are a event where there is giant bonfires on the river of Providence. And there is uh, tons of artwork, tons of vendors, a lot of different keynote speakers, a lot of different videos and films being shown, big gaming room, a lot of fun uh, had throughout the throughout the city for the four days of uh, the Necronomicon. Oh, that sounds incredible. We're going to escape into the world of H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator, talk also a little bit about Reanimator comics that have happened. I actually... Shockingly found out and realized I do own a bunch of them. There is a bit of a weird uh, controversy involving this series. The character of Reanimator used in the Hackslash comic book. And if you listen to the previous episode before this one, the Wizard of Oz episode with uh, Brian, who is a guest artist and somebody that actually worked for Devil's Due Press who came on the show, he talks a little bit about what happened with uh, Reanimator and Hackslash and, and uh, what the uh, the the snafu about it all was. Uh, because I actually had to have these specially ordered uh, through Dynamite, and my, distrib- and my comic book store couldn't put them on the shelf. Okay, I will definitely have to give it a listen when it comes out so that I can know what happened to get some interesting uh, trivia. So we're going to dive right into the three-part H.P. Lovecraft reanimator uh, three-parter, and Ellie has the plot synopsis for us that will basically condense the entire miniseries, the entire uh, storyline. So issue 15, Cassian Flad Meet the An- Reanimator, is a 65-page story based on H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West, the reanimator. So buckle in as we get flashbacks to how Jack Hack, Cassie's father, met Delilah, her mother, as a psychologist for a government program for revenants, or slashers. Despite Dee's profile indicating it is only a matter of time before she becomes a slasher, the two fall in love, get pregnant, and leave the program to start a family and a normal life. But Jack chooses to leave Cassie and Delilah to protect them from the program when ominous members come to recruit. Brad and Cassie have managed to track down Jack um, after they feed up the lone sharks that are after him, Jack realizes he must get back to the lab to prevent Delilah from being brought back to life. As Jack has fallen in with Dr. West, assisting him in his reanimation process that requires revenants for their ability to heal. Mm-hmm. West's first experiment will be on Delilah Hack, a.k.a. the lunch lady, chosen with the hope of her husband being able to encourage emotion other than rage. Throughout the story, we see a doodle, an animated mashup of a scorpion eyeball and finger continuously trying to sabotage Dr. West. Dr. West is successful in reanimating Delilah, as she was when she and Jack met. But when Jack is injured trying to help Delilah out of her restraints, she rages, turning the lab upside down and the half-finished monstrous creations loose before taking off to make love to Jack. 
In desperation, Wes calls Cassie from Jack's phone, and Cassie and Vlad arrive, saving him from his monstrosities, only to begin torturing him for information about her parents. Cassie's interrogation is stopped short by Jack calling, telling Cassie to meet him and Delilah and to bring rest. Mid-sex, Delilah has reverted to her final alive form, the scarred lunch lady. Desperate to be young and pretty again, she attempts to make her own version of West reanimation liquid, murdering a man. But when she turns on a woman, Jack tries to intervene, resulting in what will be a fatal knife in his stomach. Vlad, Cassie, and West arrive, and Cassie must make a split-second choice to stay with her dying father or go after her crazed mother. She chooses the latter, attacking heartbrokenly, but it is West who manages to finish her off. By the time Cassie can get back to Vlad and Jack, Jack is dead. West offers to reanimate him, and Cassie hesitates before crushing the injection. Meanwhile, in Neff, a battle to the death of Neffborn takes place to determine which warrior will be sent to Earth to destroy Cassie and the traitor Pooch. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. A press release was rolled out uh, in 2000. And, uh, what was the issue published? 2008 by Brian Yuzna, who is the film director behind uh, Reanim- Beyond Reanimator, Beyond Reanimator, and Bride of Reanimator. And the uh, the article on Dread Central says a press release rolled out today with rather some odd news regarding Hackslash's current storyline involving Herbert West, the Reanimator. It seems a newly formed company called Reanimator LLC has filed a cease and desist letter with the comics distributor Diamond Comics Distributor. Diamond Comics are the people who basically send comic books to your local comic book shop. They're the go-between uh, for Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, IDW, all the major comic book companies. As of today, on, okay. as of today, March 23rd, by the way, they had to put out a uh, notice to everyone that there will be no more comic books being shipped to comic book stores anywhere in the country. Uh, not surprising, yep. But this is unfortunately horrible news for a lot of mom-and-pop comic book stores and is also signifying the possible death of the comic book industry. Unfortunately, also very sad. I think the next year, two years, we're going to see a complete reimagining of uh, policies, government policies, individual, uh, and seeing a lot of businesses collapse and not necessarily be brought back in the physical sense of the world, which is pretty devastating, especially for places like comic books. Correct. I lost it. Okay. Filmmaker Brian Yuzna made it clear that stupidity was afoot. Devil's Due has done a fantastic job of keeping the spirit of reanimator films alive in the Hack Slash crossover. It has been a pleasure to collaborate with such a talented crew, and I am proud to be working with them after the admirable stand they have taken in the face of economic coercion. Oh, I can't even say this word. C-O-E-R-C-I-O-N. Coercion. Thank you. This company exemplifies the independent spirit of the genre film and comics community. It may seem crazy to reanimator fans to think that a company that had nothing to do with the classic films would actually claim ownership of the reanimator brand and threaten to stop anyone else from creating comics. Films are merchandise with the word reanimator or reanimator in it, even the actual producer of the films that created the brand, but in this wacky world, that is exactly what happened. So there is there was some uh, there was some actual uh, issues going on between the collaborators of this comic book. I'm sitting here with my mouth 
physically open because I don't understand how someone that's not the original creator or bought from the original creator the rights can claim ownership. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, also, you can do, Ellie, you yourself, me, your mom, my sister, brother, next-door neighbor, You, everybody can do whatever they want with the works of H.P. Lovecraft because they are in public domain. Yeah. Uh, they fell into public domain shortly after his passing in 1935, I believe. He died of stomach cancer. Uh, he was 30-something years old, too. Um, he, uh, his works were then no longer, no, were not, uh, copywritten. Uh, copyright, a lot of stuff before the 1940s or 50s, let's just say post, uh, World War II, copyright was not a big, uh, as big as it is these days, let's just say. So you'll find yeah. a lot of stuff kind of falls by the wayside. Uh, this is why Dracula, Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, anybody can do whatever they want with those characters. Santa Claus, Jesus Christ, (laughs) whatever you want to do, go (laughs) ahead. And Reanimator is one of them. And uh, I've always thought about doing like a a series of Reanimator like YouTube videos, like in the dark. And I've got like experiments going on, and I've got my Reanimator fluid, and there'd just be just little quick little videos. (laughs) So we we can anyone can do anything they want, but how is this one company claiming that they need to do a cease and desist? That, that unfortunately, I don't have the rest of that story. I only have this one piece of the press release, and I only have what my guest yesterday, uh, when we recorded the Wizard of Oz episode, had to say. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, definitely worth pursuing that a little bit, because I'm genuine, I just can't understand. Kind of sounds like something got broken along the way. Right. I'm going to uh, refer to a very... Um, uh, dependable source of information for all things hack slash, and that's not Tim Seeley. It's actually somebody that works with Tim. That is a bounty full of information when it comes to like, hey, what is the story behind this? Kind of like, by the way, the episode that we recorded last time, which was the bumped episodes. Uh, I actually got a, I got the copies of the bumped comic book. Very, very, very hard. <laughs> and it, they are definitely prequels to the uh, events that we that that are that take place in hack slash. Wow, okay. Yeah, because that was supposed to be a uh, bumped hack slash crossover, which ended up being a hack slash bumped crossover. Okay, wow. Yeah. So the artwork in every single issue is the same. It's by Emily Stone and Tim Seeley. The covers are all very different. Uh, We have covers by Tim Seeley and Wes DeZoba. Joe Jisco. Joe Jisco, by the way, is one of those cover artists, one of those artists in the comic book industry that just blows you away when you see his stuff. In the back of your omnibus, you should have two covers, one with uh, Cassie, Vlad, Herbert West, and Delilah Hack, and then one with uh, Cassie tied to a table with Herbert holding the reanimator fluid above her. Ooh. All right. I'm flipping to the back of my book. Oh, I see one by Jeff Zornow. Doesn't sound like what you've described. One by Vinny Tartamella. Um, another one by Tim Seeley and Wes Zioba. There we go. Joe Jisco. That yeah. one's amazing. That one is one of my favorite ones. Doesn't that Tim Seeley. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't that look realistic? It looks incredible. I love it. I love this kind of art style. Mm, he's amazing. 
the second two covers for issue issue 16, we have Herbert West holding up Delilah Hack's head, and then Deli- uh, Herbert West with a, uh image of Cassie that kind of resembles um, you in a way. The way she's holding the baseball bat. <laughs> and... <laughs> Biggest compliment ever. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you could have, you could, I mean, that's kind of very indicative of your um, profile picture here on Skype, but also the picture that we posted up on Twitter of you in the striped shirt, midriff, holding the bat. <laughs> I know. I need to get those nails into the bat one day. I just have to figure out how to do it without uh, getting banned from any conventions. <laughs> um, there are rubber uh, nails that you can buy on Amazon, and what you do is you take a drill and you drill the holes into the bat very slowly because you can easily crack the bat apart, and then just yeah. put them in there that way. Yeah, with a little bit of contact cement, that could definitely work. Yeah, that's that was the recommendation by a couple people. When I, I have a uh, I have a bloodied wooden bat sitting next to me right now that I got at a rock and shocked horror convention in October uh, as just a contest I won, and I said, "Oh my god, it's my Cassie bat." Now I just need nails. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Well, I've got my bat that's bloodied with no nails, but uh, it's kind of useful a few times. I'm not going to lie. And if you look up at my wall, there's a picture of me holding the bat with a photo with uh, my buddy, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Amazing. Um, speaking of slashers, just before we get into this, uh, could you, I don't know if you saw it on uh, Instagram, what famous slasher actor came on my radio show? Uh, no? Robert England. Oh, wow. And he is promoting Robert England's True Tales of Terror, which is a uh, travel channel show where he goes around the world telling about uh, all these places throughout the world that had all these uh, horror events happen. Wow, okay. Horror events in what way? The supernatural or horror events as in, like, the massacres? Uh, everything from serial killers to plagues, which we're living through right now, and uh, yep. and uh, Bigfoot-style stuff. Okay. Very interesting. So the issue opens up with the events of the reanimator films. Right there at the bottom of the page, we have uh, three depictions of the three reanimator movies very quickly. Uh, in fact, they're, they're actually the covers to the reanimator movies. Herbert West holding up the reanimator fluid with the decapitated head of the college professor who was trying to oust him. Um, the uh, Barbara Crampton's character, the bride of reanimator, the flying bat head, which is also the professor, and Herbert West in jail. And it says at the bottom, see the movies, reanimator, bride of reanimator, and beyond reanimator, reanimator, rent them all, blockbuster Mike. I'm assuming Mike is probably Michael Sullivan, the editor. I love that. I love that little kind of breaking of the fourth wall. <laughs> right, definitely. The Reanimator movies um, are, are probably some of the best horror movies of the eighties uh, and uh, and eighties, nineties, and two thousand. Because the last one came out in two thousand. Uh, I have it right here. Two thousand three. Uh, the original one came out in nineteen eighty. Five and then Bride of Reanimator came out in the nineties, uh, I believe. And we all star Jeffrey Combs. Wow. Um, okay. okay. My copy of Reanimator, by the way, came with a uh, pen 
that looks like a uh, a syringe filled with uh, the glue, the glowy green stuff, but it was also highlighter fluid. Amazing! Mm-hmm. Oh my god, amazing! The copy of uh, Brighter Reanimator I have came with a comic book, a thick comic book. I'm talking like really thick, like probably as thick as a uh, a pencil. Um. And it's a comic book that is black and white, reprinting issues of Dawn of Reanimator, which is a story set between uh, Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator. Wow. Wow. So not only did you get the movies, which is what you paid for and wanted, but you got really cool and neat gifts with them. I did, I did. And and, uh, Bride of Reanimator is a one two, three-volume box set containing an unrated, a rated, an underrated, an R-rated, and a supplemental bonus disc material version of the film. Wow. Okay, that's huge. It is. It is. It is. And they've also re-released the original Reanimator. I keep saying that word over and over again. Reanimator film um, recently from the same company called Arrow Video. They're a United, they're a United Kingdom-based distribution company that puts out collector's edition uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, horror movies. I've got a few of them, like Dagon, which is also a story based on H.P. Lovecraft, which is also directed by Stuart Gordon, the guy who directed Reanimator. Stuart Gordon um, has a big connection to Disney fame as he was the writer of the original Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> wow, okay. And in fact, Unexpected. And in fact, he was going to direct Honey, I Shrunk the Kids until Disney found out what it, the last movie he made was. No, that's so sad. Yeah, he had made uh, From Beyond, which has Barbara Crampton, horror scream queen Barbara Crampton, who is the girl of the reanimator first film. She is the uh, love interest of our main character, uh, Dan Kane, who is more of like the main character for the story. He is the guy, he's the roommate that Herbert West moves in with. And uh, the uh, college professor who Herbert decapitates for butting his nose in and going to throw him out of school um, and he's he's a sleazy son of a bitch too. He deserved to get decapitated. Um, he <laughs> he has been eyeball fucking Barbara Crampton the entire movie, <laughs> um, and including making allusions to like, oh, I've had my eye on her since she was a little girl. Ew! You deserve to die. Um, yes. And then he comes back as a decapitated bat flying head creature in the second movie. <laughs> I I want to point out, I want to point out that Herbert West, by the way, is not the bad guy in the reanimator story. It's all the shit that he brings back to life. (laughs) He wants to Um, cheat death. He wants to preserve life. He wants people to cheat death. I think that's a noble endeavor. He may go about it the wrong way, but I think he's got good intentions. He murders people in order to try and bring them back. Um, And he keeps doing it. Even though he creates absolute monstrosities. He he only killed that college professor because he was a creepazoid and going to throw him out of college, and he got into a fight with him. Can't help it. Oh, see, I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the story, not the movie. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> so what's funny is In that the, story, the two... He did not kill the college professor. <laughs> the two people digging up roadkill happen to be Herbert West and Jack Hack, and then Cassie and Vlad see them and think that they're police off, or think that they're just a couple of hillbillies digging up the uh, roadkill. And she's staring right at her father. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing is we as the viewer know that because uh, Wes is referring to him as uh, Doctor Hack, 
But yeah, Cassie, Cassie and Vlad, so close and yet so far. So close, but yet so far. Uh, Vlad's got that weird skin thing going on again. He's green. Um, he's very green on the cover with the artwork by Tim Seeley, but on the inside by Emily Stone, he's got this kind of lime green color going for him. Yeah, it's always interesting, like, to see to see the different depictions of, I would say, Vlad more than any other character. Right. Uh, the only other thing you can compare it to is as... Uh, Many of my co many of my many of my guests have pointed out um Vlad's skin tone changes quite as often as Cassie's breast size depending on the artist drawing her. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um it's always interesting to see if they've made Vlad a bit more kind of cute or a bit more uh even like his size changes from, you know, Cassie being up to his pecs to Cassie being up to his chin kind of thing. Everything always changes. It's always right. interesting. She sometimes is directly underneath his chin, but like in the picture where she's holding up the notebook with the list of people who yeah. can be her father, he, she, her head comes up to his nose. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never been under the impression that Cassie is a particularly tall girl. No, even Tim has said that she's supposed to be about five foot two, five foot three. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, to be fair, maybe they weren't sure they'd be able to fit both of them in the same little square, but, yeah, um, Vlad changes more than anyone else, and I think we probably all have our kind of favorite version of Vlad. Right. Um, it's funny that in animation and in comic books, um, characters seem to grow taller when they are get getting much older, Whereas you stop growing at 18 and 19. Um, but comic book characters somehow seem to develop attributes that are ridiculous <laughs> and unbelievable, uh, especially female characters who have not given birth to anybody uh, in the most ridiculous ways possible. Looking at Supergirl and, and, and Power Girl, Super, Power Girl is supposed to be a 30-something-year-old 30 or 40-something-year-old version of Supergirl, where Supergirl is supposed to be always in her teens or 20s, and somehow those are the two of the same characters. <laughs> Must be that Earth's yellow sun growing certain parts. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone's going to mistake uh, comic book depictions as being necessarily accurate. I have tried to recreate many a cover pose, and it is, I guarantee you, physically impossible to do a lot of these covers. You would have to suffer from a spinal cord injury to do some of the poses in comic books. However, you are very, like, athletic, so you are able to recreate them in, in some unique ways based on your Instagram pictures. <laughs> well, that's, that's the funny thing, is that I'm still not. Like, you look at um, Catwoman is a great example, and Black Cat, and it's, it's physically impossible. You think, oh, yeah, that looks maybe doable, and you... Okay, are we good? Uh, yeah, no, it's breaking up. Okay, hold on a second. Okay. All right, go ahead. Yeah, you look at, like, Catwoman and Black Cat in particular, and you think, yeah, that looks, like, pretty doable. They're meant to be pretty flexible, and you try and do something, and you'll be using, like, a chair underneath you, and you'll have someone else, like, studying you just to let go at the perfect time, and you match it up, and it looks in theory right, but it's still just so completely wrong, and you're just, ah, oh, heartbreaking. 
so the um, uh, the uh, they're they're throwing water balloons at each other, and Cassie says, "God, sometimes like stealing candy from kids on the short bus." Wong wong, that joke would not fly today. Okay, so I did not catch buses to get to and from school, but. The way you say that makes me assume it's something different, whereas the way I read it is maybe you have, like, an elementary school bus and then you right. have, like, a high school school okay. bus. Okay, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I completely apologize. I forget, I forget the school systems are different everywhere um, than than uh, the United States. So <laughs> short buses, and I, it, it has been a million years since I've ridden a bus, and my kid does ride a school bus, but he rides a long school bus. Once upon a time, and I don't know if this is still true, short buses were for mentally challenged children. A mental retardation. Oh. Yeah. It's a mental retarded uh, joke. Oh. Which I thought it was just like, a, you know, like taking candy from a baby. No. You know, taking it from a primary school kid, like a six-year-old on the bus. Cassie is making fun Aww. of dad. <laughs> Aww. That's uh, sad. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's, that joke, I don't think... This is 2008, this issue was published. In 2020, I don't think that joke would definitely fly. Um, I prefer to think of it as my way. <laughs> so, uh, Herbert's trying to set up his reanimator fluid, and they've already dug up the body of Delilah Hack. Um, switching over to the Neffles, uh, Neff, Neff, the Neff realm... Um, with all of their goofy-looking creatures, with the horns coming out of their mouth, the uh, their their new main brave badass happens to be this horned, uh, bikini-clad uh, warrior princess. Yeah, good way to describe her, I guess. Yeah, red-eyed. Well, we'll get that. We'll get back to that plot line as she's talking to the giant tentacle hentai-looking creature in the sky. Um, <laughs> The uh, fun fact, when it comes to the Neff scenes, I tend to cover up the pictures because I have a massive phobia of tentacles. (laughs) I can't even watch Little Mermaid. That's how bad it is. Um, I tend to have to cover up all of the pictures and just read the the words. (laughs) Do a quick what needs to be covered up. Well, that brings up an interesting question I was going to ask you. In the third omnibus, I was curious if the third omnibus starts with Hack Slash Entry Wound, which was a, not a micro mini comic book, but it was a smaller, cheaper, uh, shorter issue of Hack Slash. It was supposed to be one of those jumping on point kind of issues for new readers. It was a one shot. And in it, they introduced the character Mary Shelley Lovecraft, who has appeared in the Hack Slash versus Ava. Ava is the daughter of Dracula in uh, Dynamite Publishing. Dynamite Publishing publishes um, uh, James Bond, uh, Dark Shadows, uh, Red Sonia, uh, Vampirella, those characters. Um, and there's a character called Ava, daughter of Dracula, and they team at her and Cassie and Vlad team up to fight uh, Mary Shelley Frankenstein, uh, who is basically like Mary Shelley Frankenstein up with stitches all over her body in a Victorian gown, and one half of her, uh, her one of her arms is like three giant tentacles. Yeah. So from so for Omnibus Three, I'm just looking in the index. Um, Closer, which is issue 18 to 20, is the first 
issue in the omnibus, but actually Entry Wound is uh, the fifth story. So it's about midway through the omnibus rather than being immediately next. Okay. I understand if you have to sit that one out, but she only appears on a couple pages. Yep. Um, and that's probably why I'm not really remembering it. It's amazing to me what a... So going into a comic book store, which obviously we can't do at the moment, but you're looking at, um, you know, just mostly indie comics and the amount that resort to having a giant tentacle monster, usually with a very pretty girl on the front cover, is way too high, especially because when you actually talk to the, the comic book shop owners, they're like, oh, yeah, that, that tentacle thing doesn't actually appear at all in the issue. It's safe for you to read. It just blows my mind. It seems like such a such a cheap pass that so many people make these tentacle creatures that aren't even in the story. So yeah, I can't I can't own any of those comics though. Just on principle. <laughs> in uh, an upcoming episode of Film Dungeon Commentary, which is a part of my YouTube channel for Radio of Horror, me and Ro Lauren, the uh, co-host for Boobs, Blood, and Badass, the Hammer Horror Podcast, and she was the co-host on the Suicide Girl one-shot recently, um, are going to be doing two episodes of La Blue Girl or Bible Black. Okay. La Blue Girl and Bible Black are Japanese anime hentai cartoons. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's all going to be a good fun. We're going to treat the material with as much respect as possible. It won't be Mystery Science Theater 3000, but it will definitely be there will be some jokes, but we're, we're, we're going to take the t material as serious as we possibly can, despite the fact that it is hentai, and it's tentacles, and it's a lot of pornographic material. <laughs> but there's a story. It, you know, there's a story. <laughs> I will take your word for it. <laughs> so when Jack uncovers his wife, she still looks exactly like the way she did when Cassie threw the uh, threw her head into the vat of boiling water, or she she dumped her head in the vat of the boiling water. I thought it was oil. Oil, that's what it was. That what it was. And then we switch to the past, and we see Delilah and Jack and their younger selves. And Delilah is drawn to be very beautiful, but she has some murder tendencies, hence why she's involved with this program. And we see one of the classic villains from that one shot show up. The uh, the the uh, the X the X and O's tic tac toe game planner slash a serial killer. <laughs> Which always kind of reminded me of um, from the Batman. I think Zaz. Yes. And he has to scum. Yep. Yep. You know the one. <laughs> yep. In fact, he was just recently in the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie. Did that come out in Australia? Uh, it did come out. I did not go watch it. I will wait for it to be released, I think. Did you ever watch um, Gotham? Was Gotham available in Australia? I tried the first episode, and I'm afraid to say I couldn't get into it. I really wanted to, but I just couldn't. Zaz was a recurring character on Gotham. He was a hitman, though, but he did cut himself. And uh, the movie Batman Begins, Zaz was in Batman Begins as well. He was. He had a little bit of a cameo in there. Correct. Definitely not one of those characters you're going to see show up on a cartoon Batman series, considering he's a serial killer who cuts himself. Not for children's <laughs> animation. 
<laughs> yeah, he he was always one that seemed a bit more realistic to me than, you know, like the Mad Hatter or whatever. Just, uh, just yeah, I, I can imagine that kind of existing. Um, a term used back in the day for going after women who were uh, uh, curvier or, 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 or overweight um, has been uh, referred to uh, to Jack Hack as being a chubby chaser. I have missed that uh, that quote in the book. Well, not him, not in the quote, but in reviews of the comic book that I've read uh, previously oh, about no. the origins of uh, Cassie and Vlad and, and their parents. Um, because uh, Delilah is a uh, much uh, is a curvier woman than, let's say, like her her daughter is is drawn as. Yeah, she's a little bit voluptuous. A little bit voluptuous, and they get right to the sex immediately. Um, they've apparently been having sex for a while, so some time passes between when they meet, uh, the rolling of the new patient, and they're having sex again because that's when she reveals to Jack that she is pregnant with Kathy. Yep. And it only matters what Jack thinks, not what anyone else thinks. And he definitely loves her, as we will see in the next issue. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, some loan sharks show up and try to kill Jack because he owes him some money. Cassie and Vlad stopped him and saved him. Uh, then we cut back to Herbert experimenting on uh, his reanimator fluid and bringing uh, Delilah back to life. In two, was it, like three pages of absolutely brilliant dialogue, if you could hear Jeffrey Combs read this out loud, that would have been amazing. So you got to kind of put yourself in the mindset, reader. If you're reading these uh, three pages of the yellow text boxes of Herbert talking to himself, just imagine coming out of the words, coming out of the mouth of Jeffrey Combs. It would sound like poetry. Hmm. Um, but also, worth noting that he says, his two greatest challenges are faith and love. And once he manages to successfully reanimate, he doesn't see that the world should have meat for either, which is a bit woof. Yeah. Um, Jack Delirious waking up from the blow to his head sees his daughter for the first time, probably since she was a little girl, as we will find out in the next issue. Um, I'm going to cover all of the extra supplement material for the... Uh, issues at the very end, so we're going to jump right to the second issue. As Lisa is walking Pooch, your favorite character, right? Not my favorite, but he's up there. He's up there. Um, Pooch, and uh, she gets the word that the lunch lady's body has been stolen by her boyfriend, Chris. Um, the lunch lady is mad with craziness, because if you're brought back to life, it's kind of like in the Batman, um, any version of Batman that they use Raisha Ghoul, you're dipped into the Lazarus pit, hence his name in the previous issue was Dr. Lazarus, and you come back, yeah. you're stark raving mad and crazy, because you just came back yeah. from the dead. You're not going to be sitting there going, woo, I feel good, like Jesus. Which I love that they address in Batman, and that they've addressed repeatedly here as well. Cassie uh, has questions about her father. Like, why the hell did you leave? He was a... Uh, she also thinks that Jack had something to do with her mother becoming the way she was. Jack's uh, wife, Cassie's mom, Delilah, was going to be a serial killer no matter what. That's unfortunately the the dark the darkness that's implanted inside 
certain people, according to Jack, that they're going to be destined to become serial killers, and there's nothing that can be done about it. It's it's predestined uh, madness. That's kind of scary to think about it, if someone told you that you're destined to become a bloodthirsty murderer. Well, I think they explore that a lot in kind of the final two volumes, especially with um, Samhain, Samhain, and and Cassie herself. Right, right. So we get some flashbacks as Jack talks about they don't really understand where these slashers are coming from, the revenants. Uh, The first going back to 100 years with Jack the Ripper killing the prostitutes in Whitechapel. And then, of course, a a style, because they couldn't obviously use the real version, but a style of Jason Voorhees. They, they make a joke about the slashers of the 80s, which in the 80s, that's where all the slasher movies started coming up. Jason, Freddy, you know, Michael Myers came out in the late 70s, and so did uh, the Leatherface. But uh, Pinhead, Chucky, um, the guys from any of the other slasher movies, like My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> yep, and uh, each is detailed as well. So you've got the wonderful 80s hair throwback, which I love. <laughs> Jack Jack says the reason why he left is because some very bad people from the laboratory were after Jack because of his brilliant work. And the only reason he left was to protect Delilah and Cassie. And it'd be better if everyone thought he was dead. So he, what he did was for noble means... It's the same old story, Daddy went out for a pack of cigarettes and never came home. Never more better depicted than in that episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will was reunited with his father, and then his father is continues being a complete and utter d-hole at the end of the episode. But uh, in this regard, you have to side with Jack for what he did. I mean, I don't see why he couldn't be like, yo, Delilah, I'm leaving, but this is why. In, uh, did you ever I guess he could actually try and chase him, but... Uh... Did you ever watch the TV series Castle? Did that broadcast in Australia? It broadcasted, never watched it. I wasn't allowed to watch TV growing up. This show was on a couple years ago. Okay, I still don't have a TV, you know? Didn't watch it growing up, so don't feel like I'm missing anything, so I don't watch TV. The show was about a mystery writer who teams up with the NYPD, especially the, the main female cop character, to solve crimes because he's a mystery writer, so he knows he's a, he's a profiler. There's an episode that he's reunited with his long lost father, and uh, his father his father says that we you know we we we've uh, we ran into each other years ago at the bookstore, and he's like, what do you mean? And he says, I I gave you a copy of uh, Casino Royale. You were looking for a book to do on a book report, and he realizes that, you know that was his father, and uh, he said that was the, the 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 book that made him become a writer. But if you ever have a chance to watch it, it stars Nathan Fillion of Firefly fame, and it was a pretty decent show up until the final episode, and then don't watch the final episode. (laughs) I won't ruin it, but just do not watch the final episode of Castle. Watch every episode up to it. They went Game of Thrones. All right. Uh, uh, Jack gets the call that uh, that he needs to go back to the laboratory and Delilah is alive and looking somewhat better than when she died and she's all like Jack I love you and she's got the strength of the Incredible Hulk somehow yep I mean it's not that surprising would you think because she's, one, a revenant or a slasher, and two, he's already said, like, all the emotions are super amplified right now. 
all of West's reanimator fluid breaks out and mutates all of the animals that they have been, uh, all the dead animals that they have been collecting off the side of the road, including the two people that are actually owning the building, and they get killed and uh, turn into reanimator monsters as well, while Delilah carries Jack off to go basically fuck him. They just get right bet, right down to what she needs more than anything after coming back from the dead is a is to, she she needs sex. One hundred percent. Yeah. You no, you go go. Yeah. You go, girl, <laughs> you, you, you get yours. Herbert West doesn't have anyone else to call, so he calls Cassie and she's pissed because she's like, "Where the fuck are my parents?" Switching over now to the final part uh, on the cover, we have Cassie being held by the lunch lady, looking like a giant monster and uh, Dr. West hiding behind some boxes and uh, the other cover, which is by Jeff Zorno. Uh, it has Herbert West with his reanimator fluid and Cassie looking like a zombie holding up someone's beating heart over at the Santa Fe, New Mexico golden Eagle motel, uh, which also has adult movies. <laughs> the uh, the cleaning crew, the the staff of the hotel think that uh, what Ka- what uh, Cassie's parents are doing sounds better than porn. <laughs> yeah, and we we get the sound through every single panel of uh, of the the wump wump wumps and the oh yeah Jack yeah which is Jack's giving it to her good. <laughs> Uh, however, he's giving to her so good that she starts uh, reverting back to her pre-rejuvenated um, uh, form. Basically the way she was when she died. 100%, which is not quite as uh, charming. Or attractive. <laughs> she basically looks like burnt hamburger. But Jack doesn't care. He still loves her anyway. It is unusual. I thought, okay, so this was the biggest part of the entire reanimator story with Cassie and Vlad that really kind of threw me, is that that uh, Jack knows that his daughter's alive, and then he runs off with his wife to go screw. I'm like, what? From, I Well, he had already told Delilah that Cassie was alive. I think it's more... That's what Delilah needed, and he knows it's not going to go down well if he's like, yo, let's just hold up and go grab Cassie, you know? Like, let's be a family again. He, he's playing a very careful uh, consideration there. There's a movie called My Dead Ex-Girlfriend starring the, great, the late, great Anton Yelchin and directed by Joe Dante. Joe Dante was the director of Gremlins and The Howling. The Anton Yelchin uh, died too young. He died in a car accident at the age of 28 years old. He was Chekhov in the new Star Trek movies, and he was uh, mm-hmm. he was uh, Charlie Brewster in the remake of Fright Night, among his other many many yeah. great roles. Um, but very, I I've seen I've, I've seen everything he's done. I I that is a treasure lost to the world. Anyway, the movie yeah. is about uh, this guy who loves horror movies. Loves uh, all the stuff in life that, you know, a horror movie fan would love. Loves ice cream, loves meat, loves just, you know, he he's kind of a geek. He is dating a conservative, feminist, I hate everything, everything is offensive, everything bothers me, vegan, pain-in-the-ass girlfriend. She dies, gets killed, she gets hit by a car and dies. Uh, a few months later, he starts dating the goth chick uh, yogurt uh, horror uh, geek 
at the yogurt shop. His girlfriend comes back to life because it's a zombie rom-com, and the first thing she wants to do is fuck him. It's like, I feel, I I feel like her, I might have seen this film before. It's like all coming back to me, like little scenes and pictures. You might have. The the poster or the DVD cover has him making out with the goth chick at the grave of his girlfriend, and his girlfriend's crawling up out of the grave. Hmm. And the girlfriend is played by one of the actresses from Twilight, not the not the main Twilight girl, the the sister with the psychic visions from Twilight. I don't remember her name. I didn't watch the films. <laughs> I'm sorry. Delilah wants to chop everyone up and stick them in stew to feed to Jack in rather gruesomely disgusting ways because she's a lunch lady and that's the only thing she can remember to do. Oh, I thought she was making the stew to replicate uh, the formula that West had back at his lab, the giant pot of all the dead animals and everything. Maybe. I thought, oh, she no, she's saying she's making a nice healthy stew. I feel like she has a point where she goes, yeah, there you go. But once Dr. West gets here with his chemicals, we can add that to the pot and I'll be as good as new in no time. Right. Okay, that's what it is. And she wants to kill the cleaning lady because she calls her a fucking tramp. uh, Sorry, she calls her a little tramp who's fucking her husband. And she accidentally accidentally stabs uh, Jack Hack, who dies uh, in Vlad's arms. And she, I would like to mention, isn't angry or anything he just kind of looks down at the knife and is so sad and he's like oh gee we could have had something here (laughs) kathy kills her mother again and uh jack asks uh, uh, jack asks vlad to uh you know take care of kathy yes she dies, she disintegrates. Uh, Herbert gives Cassie the reanimator fluid, saying, an injection in the back of the head. He's been dead for seconds. He'll be fine if he comes back. By the way, out of all of the fucking movies that that's happened, that's never true. I mean, <laughs> he does the... He, 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 that, that's the whole point of Herbert's like quest. He's trying to find a body that has been dead immediately to bring right back to life. And it doesn't work out for him. Never well, anyway. No, never, never well. So she destroys the reanimator fluid, and she tells Wes that if he, she ever hears about his experiments ever again, uh, and then he disappears when the ambulance, the uh, sorry, the fire truck rolls by. I am in Cassie's shoes. I'm in Cassie's uh, fishnet. Sorry, that's probably a better way of saying it. What is this? What What's the date today? So my father died a year ago this week. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I write, I, I do podcasts to escape fiction, to escape reality a lot of times. Uh, I go to the movies to escape reality. And last year was the worst year to try escape reality through fiction. When you had films like Avengers and uh, Endgame, where Tony Stark dies. Or Riverdale, where they had to kill off Archie's father because Luke Perry died in real life. Or uh, Kylo Ren reuniting with his father in The Rise of Skywalker. And every single time that kept happening, all I kept thinking about was my father. It was like, Jesus Christ, I go to the fucking movies to escape reality, and you just keep reminding me of what happened this year. But I get Cassie's pain behind it all. Would I try to resurrect my father? I don't think so. Okay. That's the thing. Like, if you ever ask someone, would you eat another human in a survival situation if they were already dead? Some people are 100% sure, either way, yes or no. 
most people I would say are sure either way, yes or no, but until you're in that actual situation and know the context, it's really hard. Same with what we're seeing. You know, you watch a zombie film and you're like, if I got bitten, I would tell someone and get them to shoot me. You say that, but self-preservation is like the overriding emotion in any kind of life or death situation for humans. And we're seeing that a lot with coronavirus right now. Someone has it, but they're uh, still going out and interacting with people and infecting. But uh, would you would you want to take it? I think they do a lot of it in Harry Potter too. Is what would you do, and what what is the risk worth? You know, same with um, Stephen King. Is it Salem's Lot? Like he knows what's going to happen if he brings his kid back buries her in the grave and brings him back. He knows what's going to happen. And he does it anyway, just for that, that minuscule 0.1% of, of a chance of, of seeing, seeing him again and getting closure or seeing him again and having your kid live. Like it's just, we'd like to think that we're logical with what we do, but until we're in that situation. So I have utmost respect for Cassie. Pet Cemetery, actually. Pet Cemetery, that's it. Salem's Lot was with the vampires that go to the town in Maine. Jerusalem's Lot. No, yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking, like, Cassie, that she's just been reunited. So far, everything had been pretty positive to do with her dad in particular, answering questions, explaining why he left, having a legitimate reason. And really, she got to talk to him for all of, what, five, ten minutes? It's funny you brought up the thing about Pet Cemetery and uh, and and uh, did you did you see the remake? Did the remake come out in Australia? Did came out? Did come out? Didn't get to see it, but it's on my list. Um, I watched the original only a few years back, and uh, it it intrigued me. I was I was interested to see to see what they did with the remake. Plus, I saw all the photos of the cat being all uh, bloodied up, and that made me want to see it as well. Do not see the remake. <laughs> it oh, is, really? It is fucking terrible. Um, no. You do, no. The, in the trailer, they spoiled how they switched it up, right? You did see that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I, I don't want to really ruin it for you. I mean, you, you can watch it, but the relationship with the father and the old man next door is so downplayed in the, in the new movie. Um, and the changes they made, I just, I did not like. What is funny though is that recently coming that has just come out from Scream Factory is Pet Cemetery Part Two, the sequel to the original, but not a sequel in any way other than it's oh it's the same Pet Cemetery and someone buries their fucking animal and comes back and causes a whole bunch of problems for everyone involved. It actually starred Eddie Furlong, best known as John Connor of Terminator Two fame. Yeah. Uh, and Doctor Green, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he was Doctor Green on ER. And uh, the voice of Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, who was also in the Shawshank Redemption as the uh, the prison guard, he plays the uh, abusive stepfather of Eddie Furlong's best friend in the movie, who they uh, accidentally kill and then bury him in the pet cemetery, and he comes back as a psychotic raping zombie. I'm gonna give that one a pass. Yeah, it's. It's pretty fucked up, but Mary Lambert, who directed the original Pet Cemetery, also directed the sequel. Um, John Campiano, who's a guy here in Massachusetts, actually directed a uh, a uh, documentary called Unburied and uh, Unearthed, The Path to Pet Cemetery. It's a 
really great documentary about Pet Cemetery if you ever want to uh, look it up and uh, give it a watch. Okay. So we the end of the issue was with uh, Chris and Lisa in bed and her complimenting him about three hours of unbelievable sex. Uh, means he was good for something, despite him being a jobless loser. Because <laughs> he is. I mean, she's a veterinarian, and he does not have a job still. Um, and then the uh, the Neff uh, bounty hunter, bikini-clad bounty hunter, shows up for a story that is coming up soon. And then we switch back to West's lab as he reminisces about the events and what happened with uh, Jack and Delilah. And then the government shows up looking for him to go help save the President of the United States for a movie that was never made, House of Reanimator, in which the President is almost is assassinated, and they get Herbert West to bring the President back to life. Why? <laughs> well, let, 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 let me be clear. This would probably have been either A, a fictitious President, or George Bush's shadow. Because in 2008, <laughs> Bush was President, Obama wasn't President. Uh, for another year. No, I'm more saying, like, that's the whole reason why you have a vice president. <laughs> Maybe the vice president was taken out, too. Maybe it's like that TV series with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. He's, like, the last remaining cabinet <laughs> member, and he has to become president. <laughs> yeah, well, let it go down. Let it go down to him, then. Uh <laughs> Uh, I try to keep this show non-political, people, so I'm just pointing out an event, that a movie that definitely could have happened but didn't. I'm, it, I don't know if they would have used a fictitious president like, uh, you know, uh, David Haybert's character on 24 or something like that or an Independence Day or if they would have actually used George Bush uh, for a reanimated zombie. Who knows? Uh, the movie, unfortunately, was never made, and the uh, the last time we saw Reanimator was in Beyond Reanimator. The last time we saw Reanimator in comic books, however, was at Dynamite. Dynamite, again, the company that publishes like Red Sonia and Vampirella. And if you could believe this, by the way, there is a Red Sonia, Vampirella, Betty and Veronica, Betty and Veronica of Archie fame, crossover ongoing comic book series. I know. <laughs> they uh, they post on their Instagram every week the the latest cover. And I like all the posts. <laughs> they're, they're they're a lot of fun. They're, they're it is actually a very fun book, especially considering that um, I don't quite understand it because Red Sonia and Vampirella are always portrayed as like full grown women in their you know thirties, I guess maybe or something like that. But they're, somehow they're going to high school, and it's like those two women don't look like they're young enough to go to high school. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fair though, if you took Betty and Veronica from the comic books, they don't exactly look like high schoolers either. If you compare them to actual high schoolers, yeah, I mean, and, uh, you look at the women who play them on Riverdale, and they're gearing down into their bra and panties, doing webcam shows and BDSM every five minutes. Ah, okay. Didn't watch it. Didn't didn't look like it was uh, my cup of tea. It's not bad. I'm not judging it. I did love it. Again, Luke Perry was on it. It was a big reason I watched it. He was Archie's dad. Unfortunately, you know, Luke Perry died in real life, so they did have to kill his character off on the show. Going back to Dynamite, Dynamite published a Reanimator miniseries, and then they did a Reanimator meets Vampirella miniseries. Okay. Uh, Vampirella um, uh, uh, had to stop some death god that Herbert West got involved with uh, to perfect his Reanimator fluid. And caused all sorts of problems, and she had to go basically clean up his mess. Good for Vampy. Well, that's pretty much all the notes we have 
together for the three-part reanimator storyline of Hackslash, where Cassie is reunited with her father, unfortunately to lose her parents all over again. Uh, this time permanently, because De uh, Delilah and Delilah will return in some capacity later on in the Chaos comic book crossover, as the gods of Chaos, uh, Evil Ernie, will resurrect all of Cassie and Vlad's former villains, including Delilah. <laughs> But uh, Jack stays dead. Oh, man. Well, it makes sense why he would stay dead. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a bit of a heavy one. Like, this entire book has just been leading up to us finding her father. And then for it to all just be over. Just like that. I was really disappointed in that part, too. I thought it was like, wow. We spent all this time with the mystery of Jack Hack and who he is. And then I heard about the big connection with the reanimator and thought that was brilliant. And then they and then Tim kills him. I actually didn't mind that they killed him. I thought that it would kind of cuz like what 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 would they have done if if he had survived? Would they have teamed up and become a happy little traveling family of three trying to track down his, you know, old associates or would he have tried to convince Cassie to give it up and have a normal life with him or like it just adds to all that angst. It just adds to to giving her that complete hopelessness and that complete fear of being alone. Like it, it adds to her character motivation. I don't mind that at all. I just meant like feeling for Cassie like she's been worked up this entire omnibus trying to find her father and then five minutes a good five minutes, and then to have it completely torn away, like, she would just be, man, like, I would be thinking she'd be catatonic. Yeah, I, I just, man, I, I, I applaud a lot of what Tim does with this series, but I just, I was so disappointed by that. I like the story itself. The sex was a little strange, but, I mean, it fits the re whole reanimator thing. There's a lot of sex in the reanimator stories, consensual and non-consensual. That whole thing with uh, just killing him off that quick after finding him, man, that's just, ah, I never got over that. <laughs> now that I'm revisiting I kind of assumed <laughs> that we would get more kind of flashbacks or something, but um, I can see why they did it. Where can people find you, Ellie, on Instagram? Uh, you can find me at Ellie Christina. And you can find me at Radio Horror on Instagram. You can find both, both of us at, on Instagram. And I'm on Twitter at ChrisDSAV. All the previous episodes of this show on RadioHorror.com. Goth Girl Horror will be taking a tiny bit of a break, a little bit of a longer of a break. Again, we're recording this in late March, and this will post in May. I don't know what the state of the planet Earth will be like then. Our, if our ape overlords still let us podcast, and have a voice, that'd be great. The reason why I make that, by the way, Planet of the Apes joke, if anyone who has never seen Planet of the Apes or the prequels that have come out in the last 10 years, it was a virus that wiped out the human race for the apes to become super smart and rise up and become our masters. Okay, I guess uh, we can expect some, some uprising chimps anytime now. So we'll be back with another episode of Goth Girl Horror coming up in a few weeks, issue 18. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Please be safe if we're still in the middle of the crisis, if we're in the middle of recovery. Please help out your local comic book shop if we're in recovery now. Get a pull list at your local comic book store, any comic book store. Start, you know, if you enjoy the podcast and you enjoy comic books, find a couple books that you might like to read at your local comic book store. 
anywhere on the planet Earth. It doesn't happen to be Australia or, or uh, Massachusetts, United States of America. It could be anywhere. Please uh, support your local independent artists and comic book stores uh, in their time of need, which happens to be now. And we'll be back in a few weeks. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Brian, the host of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And since 2017, Inner Demons has been the best place on the web for news, reviews, and regular discussion with our listeners about Marvel's Spirit of Vengeance, Ghost Rider. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast catchers, as well as on Twitter, at InnerDemonsGR. Remember, listening to your Inner Demons is not always a bad thing. Right on. Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle, Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher.